Hey, it's Jordan. I have the pleasure of being joined by uh, Dr. Jill Stein, who obviously was the Green Party presidential candidate in, in 2016. And uh, I've, I've always enjoyed talking to you and give you credit, by the way. You were uh, one of the few candidates, uh, actually, no, the only candidate who went to Standing Rock uh, and uh, was on the ground there. So I wanted to start. Uh, hopefully this will be a more pleasurable experience for you. But I saw you on CNN the other night, and it seemed that, um, like other interviews I've seen in the past, you know, it's almost like the CNN anchor, Aaron Burnett, was essentially the, the main goal was to get you to admit that you are responsible for Donald Trump. So I'd like to ask you straight up, uh, were you the one that gave Hillary Clinton the advice to not go to Wisconsin, to, to spend campaign resources to go to Arizona uh, in the final week of the campaign? And, uh, you know, uh, other things like not going on radio in African-American communities until the week of the campaign. Uh, were you responsible for all those things? Because, you know, if you look at it from a political lens, that played a part in, in her defeat. And I would add to that, you know, was I responsible for this brilliant strategy uh, of elevating the so-called Pied Piper candidates, you know, the nutcakes in the Republican Party to make it easier for Hillary Clinton to win? Uh, was I responsible for sabotaging Bernie Sanders and for, um, you know, incurring the wrath and the ire of millions of supporters who basically... Uh, had their votes thrown out, you know, and and for whom the primary uh, was meaningless and their efforts were basically thrown under the bus by the manipulation of the primary election. Um, you know, so, yeah, no, I don't think I did that. And I would add to that that our votes are not owned by the Democratic Party or by the Republican Party. You know, if you want to get really... Um, uh, you know, technical about it, you can actually look at the exit polls that showed that most people who voted green in 2016 were not going to come out and vote. So, I mean, it's not only preposterous, but it's actually a lie to say that those votes belong to Hillary. And furthermore, if you were to add in the, the Gary Johnson voters, with which nobody ever talks about, you know, that would have further, um, you know, their logic doesn't hold up because if you assume green votes belong to the Democrat, you'd have to assume that libertarian votes belong to the Republican, in which case Trump wins by an even bigger margin. You know, and and it's like part of the screwed up logic that tries to get people to, you know, not resist, to basically submit to this very irrational and um, predatory voting system, a political system that just doesn't make sense, when in fact, there's a win-win here. We can actually create a voting system that works for us, that works for everyday working people. And by the way, you know, aside from whatever it was, one or two million who voted for me, there were a hundred million who sat it out, you know. So didn't that count for something that they were not reached by the political messaging that basically said, you've got to vote for one of these two predator parties in a election where the two establishment candidates were the most disliked and untrusted in recorded history. So, you know, just the whole logic here is so twisted. And the bottom line, Jordan, is this. CNN cut out of the tape the uh, video clip that they circulated. They cut out the first three minutes. Right. 
which will be circulating soon, but those first three minutes basically said, you know, look, we can cut to the chase here. We don't have to be paralyzed by spoiler panic. You know, it's not a real thing, but it is in people's minds. You know, elections are not spoiled by a diversity of candidates. Elections are actually spoiled by the lack of diversity of candidates and the suppression of those diverse choices. But in fact, we can just cut to the chase here, folks. You know, rank choice voting fixes this. It means you can rank your choices. It means the whole spoiler panic is obsolete. Spoiler panic comes from a very understandable and real place. I think there's great existential despair right now about our election system, our economy, our planet, our healthcare system, you name it. Um, we're pretty screwed right now, especially the younger generation who's really got to bear the full force of this catastrophe that's barreling down on us, whatever sector of society you want to look at, whether it's our health care, our education, student debt that's got an entire generation really trapped, you know, these wars that just get bigger all the time, uh, racial violence and injustice, you know, economic violence, and, you know, which is racial also of our prison system, you name it. We're kind of screwed right now. Your goose is cooked, and little solutions around the margins aren't going to fix it. We really need, you know, we really need a substantive change here. And the good news is that you don't have to be bludgeoned back into these two pigeonholes that are driving this crisis. You don't have to be forced. And that's why both Tucker Carlson on Fox and Aaron Burnett on CNN, they did not want to talk about ranked choice voting because it basically, it spoils their game. They want to do this blame-shame game and um, intimidate and uh, vilify independent voters. But that's where most people are. 60% mm -hmm. practically of voters want something else. So instead of like, you know, uh, slapping their hands and telling them you got to be good little boys and girls, you know, we could just fix the voting system. And they don't want that word to get out. But I really want to underscore that right now, that ranked choice voting is a win-win. The state of Maine just adopted it, and it was really proof of principle in their congressional election, where um, at the end of the runoff, it was the more progressive candidate who won, and there were more voters who came out and voted. There was greater diversity in the vote, uh, less negative campaigning. I mean, it's it's a win-win all around. Choice is not the enemy of a just and rational voting system. It's really critical for a just and rational voting system. So the name of the game is we can have, we got two years, you know, and Aaron Burnett tried using that one on me, that Oh no, we got to work with the voting system we have. You know, you can't, you 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 can't change it. This is what we got. Well, hello, Aaron Burnett, and other apologists for oligarchy. We have two years practically before the next election, and if we could pass a trillion-dollar Wall Street bailout and more, you know, in about 24 hours, <laughs> I think we can fix our voting system. And the beauty of ranked choice voting is that you can you don't have to do it in Congress. You can just do it state by state. Right. And, and there are, what, like 14 states right now that have all Democratic um, legislatures and Congress 
and Republicans benefit from this too. So, you know, if we applied half the panic and hysteria that's going into suppressing alternatives right now and suppressing independent voters, if we put half of that energy into um, really holding our legislators' feet to the fire, we could get ranked choice voting within, you know, the next year, the next legislative cycle, et cetera. We can fix this. So let's put our energy where, you know, where we can really cure the problem. This is like the, the, the win-win that CNN and Fox don't want you to know about. Well, it's interesting you brought up ranked choice voting because I've mentioned in a lot of my videos, uh, you know, frankly, Green New Deal, not a new idea. And uh, you're not, you and the Green Party, not exactly getting a lot of credit. Now, I know Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's version, uh, I don't know, it seems a little more vague, uh, might not be the same exact thing, but it, these ideas, I mean, you and the Green Party were, were shouting from a cave uh, for a long time, and now it's kind of becoming mainstream. So these things can happen when there is organizing behind it, and it forces it into the corporate media. So I'd love to know what you think as far as, A, what I just said, the Green New Deal, but also uh, maybe that's what is necessary to force that discussion of ranked choice voting, uh, which is, you know, more org organization, because uh, even in independent media, you don't hear a lot of, about ranked choice voting. Exactly. There's some really great organizing going on for ranked choice voting right now. And if people follow my social media feed, which is uh, at Dr. Jill Stein and that's DR No Period, you'll hear about it. Um, there's also a really great uh, organization. There are a number of them, but one in particular called um, Voter Choice MA, as in Massachusetts, uh, .org. So that's VoterChoiceMA.org. And uh, they will soon be going national, I think, because they're doing such a good job of moving ranked choice voting forward. And, you know, it's not going to happen. The revolution will not be televised and ranked choice voting will not be televised. But it's up to us. And it really does work, reduces negative campaigning. It ensures that whoever gets elected gets elected with a majority vote. They're not the product of some random you know, division depend, division of the electorate, depending on how many candidates happen to run representing a certain point of view. You know, it's totally arbitrary what goes into the division of that vote. And by the way, you know, looking at the Democratic presidential primary right now, you've got all these pseudo progressives and a couple of, you know, arguably progressive candidates who will all be splitting the vote. <laughs> um, uh, and in particular, you know, because they're especially... You know, they're dividing up the Democratic vote. We were drawing largely from non-voters, mm -hmm. but Democrats are going to pretty much divide the Democratic vote. So they're going to be splitting it a whole bunch of different ways. Who's going to come out on top? You know, it will be that one or two centrist candidates, you know, Joe Biden or um, Kamala Harris or, or who, you know, whoever's got the money behind them. They're going to go into the second round of voting at the Democratic convention, which is where the superdelegates get back in, you know, mm -hmm. so it, it's a perfect scenario. And I think, you know, the silencing of ranked choice voting, the silencing of, for example, the green origins of the Green New Deal, this doesn't happen by accident. Right. You know, that ambush on CNN, that doesn't happen by accident. There is a, um, what you might call a a progressive containment plan going on right now wow. in some elections 
there's clearly a sheepdogging candidate. Well, I think the Democrats are sheepdogging all the time by allowing progressives to be seen and heard and then pulling the rug out from under them, you know, when it comes time to actually, you know, have the vote or choose the candidate, they're sabotaged or they're manipulated in one way or another. And same goes for the, you know, the progressive policies that Democrats appear to support. Look what's happening right now to um, not only to the Green New Deal, which has been pretty much sabotaged by the the climate committee that was created. It doesn't have the powers to move this forward. There was no way in hell that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were going to allow this kind of a transformative program to be enacted on their watch. No way in the world. But it's also happening to single payer. And H.R. 676, which was the gold standard for single payer, you know, that number has been given to a pro-NATO, you know, uh, cheerleading kind of bill. And it's like the history's been wiped out. And Pramila Jayapal Jayapal is watering that down as we speak. Exactly. Exactly. And behind closed doors, too. So it's like, don't get your hopes up, progressives. Democrats are not going to deliver it to you. And don't be intimidated by the spoiler panic. Mm -hmm. Just get to work right now. Instead of trying to silence the progressive alternatives out there, get behind ranked choice voting and make that absolutely you know, the, the, the lead for all the other things. It really is a gateway to doing all the other stuff because the spoiler panic shuts down dialogue. And that's why we've been scrubbed. Greens have been scrubbed. Um, you know, it's not that the revolt isn't still there. The rebellion is home, even in the midterms. Huge numbers of people stayed home. And, you know, and people are not happy, especially look at what's going on in Venezuela right now, you know, or around the warmongering around Russia or even North Korea. You know, you have Democrats that are really leading the charge in this vast and uh, dangerous war machine, also leading the charge on the new McCarthyism, which essentially tries to shut down uh, dialogue and alternatives. It's a really... It's a really scary thing, and the Democrats are right there in the driver's seat every bit as much with the Republicans. So, you know, we should not be bullied into silence, which is what they're trying to do. It's really important for us to stand up and use that advantage that we have. Ranked choice voting enables us all to fight together to get rid of Trump. We can really dump Trump, and we're going to do that much more effectively if we've mobilized, you know, a very broad swath of the political spectrum. If you just are going to mobilize the centrist Democrats, uh, it's going to be a very tough race. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good segue, because I wanted to ask you about Russia and Trump. Number one, um, you know, it seems very odd to me that, oh, my Lord, there was fake Facebook pages and hide under your desk. The Russian boogeyman is coming. So our democracy is under grave threat. But in the same breath, the very same people screaming about that are totally fine with us essentially, and overnight, it's not even overnight, it was planned uh, months in advance, mm-hmm. inserting uh, a 35-year-old nomad uh, into uh, the Venezuelan uh, presidency, which, by the way, uh, these economic sanctions are part of why Venezuela is so, is so dire. So I'd like your thought on, thoughts on that contradiction. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right that the people uh, who are screaming about, you know, Russia, they... They launched um, social media memes like, 
like this. Like, if you believe in Jesus. I don't know if you can see <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just like, it's laughable. And if you actually look at this critique, and Aaron Maté did a really beautiful job of breaking it down. Uh, if you actually look at it, most of the uh, postings actually came after the election. Only 10, 11%, something like that, actually dealt with the election. They were more about Jesus, or there's this other beautiful one with um, this guy, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, what does that have to do with the election? Did that persuade people to vote for me? I don't think so. <laughs> you know, that was really a. Um, you know, it was a smear. It was a smear campaign, and the coolest part of it is that this cybersecurity firm, the New Knowledge firm, you've probably heard about this, Jordan. Yeah. Shortly after they put out this grand expose of how Russia was persuading people of color to vote for me through, you know, things like Yosemite Sam. Uh, after they put out this ludicrous report, within the same week they were exposed for having interfered themselves in a 2017 Senate election. And how did they do that? They did it by creating a false flag Russian interference campaign and trying to pin that on the Republican opponent. This was like Democrat uh, money funded. So it makes a complete mockery, not only of their effort to smear me, but it makes a whole, I mean, it really tarnishes the whole um, you know, Russiagate investigation. And, and I have to say, you know, I support the basic core of the Mueller investigation at following Trump's, um, you know, firing of Comey, which really looked, you know, extremely suspicious and was very suggestive of obstruction of justice and of underlying corruption, just given the amount of lying that was going on from members of his, uh, administration, you know, uh, I very much um, support the essential, uh, what should we say, mission of Russiagate. But it's really important that it not spill over into this misuse and abuse uh, into the realm of outright McCarthyism and of, you know, being used as a tool to um, smear and discredit political opposition and as a tool for warmongering. And it's a very fine line between those. And it's really important, I think, that we not, you know, uh, embrace one oversimplified solution or the other. It's not like Russiagate is all wrong, but where it's uh, extended, overextended, and abused, that's really wrong when it spills over into uh, warmongering and this effort to vilify political opposition. And clearly that happened in that uh, particular report and that effort uh, to smear my campaign and the Green Party. Well, I will point out, because obviously CNN has no journalistic ethics, but number one, they should have disclosed that uh, CNN's recent you know, former parent company, Time Warner, was Hillary Clinton's top, one of her top donors in her career, I think in the top 10. So that might be something you want to tell your audience. But the second thing is when you brought up the New Knowledge Report and they tried to shut you down, uh, the New Knowledge uh, Report is from former NSA people, former Defense Department, and uh, former President Bill Clinton's CIA director has financial 
ties to new knowledge, that would be William Connolly. So, you know, I mean, all of these reports, oh, a Senate intelligence report. No, it's a third party report with, I mean, I'll say it, kind of the authors of the deep state, shall I say. So all of these reports, whether it's CrowdStrike, new knowledge, you have to actually, who is funding these reports? Who are the authors of these reports? So that's just my two cents. And, and, and while you're on it, you can also go back to the origins of the whole, you know, Russiagate proposition with the, uh, the MI5 uh, agent. Steele dossier. Yeah, this, with the Steele dossier, which had its origins. Actually, it was Republican and then it was Democrat. Um, you know, but, but it was Democrat funded for a substantial period of time. And, you know, lo and behold, oh, surprise, surprise, it contains a handful of names. And one of them is mine, where it makes the outright false accusation, a complete lie, uh, saying that I was being funded by Russia, which is absolutely false. And it tries to smear me for being a peace advocate and an advocate for diplomacy and dialogue. And when I went to Russia, you know, I went there really to promote three issues which were fundamental to my campaign. It's not like I was saying this to Russians. In the same trip, I happened to talk also with Jeremy Corbyn mm. and also with the deputy climate negotiator for China at the Paris Climate Accord. So, you know, these are really critical issues that need to be addressed domestically in the U.S., but we also need to address them internationally. And that is, you know, the climate crisis, uh, endless war, the nuclear um, uh, confrontation that we are that we are facing, and also, you know, the Green New Deal as an integrative solution there. And that's what I was really there for. And if you just look at what's in the news this week about the nuclear... Um, you know, treaties that are falling apart, you know, starting actually with U.S. efforts. <laughs> you can go back to George Bush, who pulled out of the fundamental uh, nuclear treaty, the anti-ballistic missile treaty back in mm -hmm. 2000, I think. Um, you know, when George Bush did that, you know, it's it's been downhill ever since, which is disastrous. And most recently now the Trump administration is pulling out of the, what's called the INF, the mm -hmm. Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty. This is like this is so dangerous, it's unbelievable. We've got 2,000 nuclear weapons on hair trigger alert. And if you don't think that's a concern, listen to um, the series of talks that Daniel Ellsberg uh, gave just recently on the Real News Network, which will really light your hair on fire right. about the dangers even before these deals have fallen apart. And now these treaties are falling apart. We, by the way, you know, we re... Uh, reinvigorated the nuclear arms race back in the Obama years when we uh, appropriated and basically put out a plan to spend, um, what is it, one and a half trillion, you know, some huge amount of money. Uh, it may be more than one and a half trillion, I, but it's, you know, it's on the order of trillions for new nuclear, a new generation of nuclear weapons. It's absolutely outrageous. And to me, it's like, it's it's really an all-out emergency that we've got to be talking about this stuff because the public has been denied knowledge of how the public is really on the firing line right now. Mm -hmm. And if that information were out, it would be a whole different ballgame for doing something about it, which is why, to me, it keeps coming back to not only, number one, 
we need more than just two parties of war in Wall Street. Mm-hmm. You know, we need an agenda, and we need proponents of that agenda who are challenging power. As uh, Frederick Douglass said, power concedes nothing without a demand. It never has and it never will. And we need to be there in that political dialogue. But number two is that we need to pass ranked choice voting like our lives depend on it. Because otherwise they're going to keep shutting down the dialogue. If we open it up, it's fixable. I wanted to ask you about uh, 2020, not necessarily like who's going to win or any of that stuff. But it does seem to me, uh, if I want to borrow from Chomsky, it seems they're manufacturing consent for Kamala Harris. I mean, we'll see if Biden enters. But I mean, you got CNN a day after she announces they're doing a love fest for an hour with her. Um, You know, they hadn't offered that to any other declared candidate, a a town hall. Uh, You see them. Oh, not questioning. Well, she ran for Senate in 2016. She wasn't for Medicare for all then when it was possible in California. Now, all of a sudden, she's for Medicare for all. I mean, we see this all like I call it extreme makeover, you know, Hillary Clinton edition, Kamala Harris edition. So they're manufacturing consent on that end. And the other end is, I mean, look at the government shutdown coverage. Did any media ever ask? Well, maybe we should look into why are so many government workers living paycheck to paycheck? Why are so many workers living paycheck to paycheck? So I'd like to ask you, uh, are we are we going to get anything different? Because it seems to me they're anointing her, uh, you know, as their Hillary Clinton uh, for a coronation. It's certainly looking that way. And the you know, there are just many red flags going up right now, not only uh, in the support that's being given to Kamala Harris, um, you know, which is kind of breathtaking, considering her, you know, her support for the death penalty, you know, her, um, uh, her, you know, her refusal to investigate uh, Steve Mnuchin when her own attorney general office in California was saying, investigate this guy. He's got thousands of violations of, of foreclosure laws uh, and and foreclosure protections for you know, poor people and families and kids, you know, this guy is a real predator. And she shut that down. She refused to proceed um, with that investigation. Um, You know, her, her opposition to allowing out uh, second strike nonviolent drug offenders because she wanted their labor for the prison system. Mm. I mean, I'm sort of new to Kamala Harris. To my mind, you know, she hasn't been worthy of you know, of of following. So I'm just learning about this stuff for the first time, but it's pretty jaw-dropping. And the parallels to Hillary Clinton are uh, disturbing, very disturbing, and don't bode well. If you put that together with the Democrats' rollback of their progressive agenda, with the fact that there was more big money that went into the 2018 midterms than ever, the 40 or so new congressional representatives and the districts that flipped are mostly coming from privileged suburban republicanoid districts you know so this this doesn't make for a progressive democratic party and then just look at their appointments between hakeem jeffries who's really a you know a tool of wall street and the charter school industry he's appointed to head of the Democratic Party caucus. Joe Manchin, who's a servant of the fossil fuel industry, is in charge of the energy committee. 
uh, Elliot Engel, who is like the Warhawk of Warhawks. You know, and where are the Democrats right now? Aside from Ro Kahana and Ilan Omar, there is a deafening silence going on about Venezuela. Yeah, a couple people put out a tweet mm-hmm. or two, but this crisis is evolving and it needs to be resisted vehemently, like now. And I, sh- I should point out that I should point out Bernie has not been strong on that either. Hardly. I mean, he did put out one, uh, you know, uh, reasonable tweet, um, you know, <laughs> but I haven't seen anything since. And a lot of damage has been done. You know, where were they on Elliot Abrams' appointment? You know, the appointment of a war criminal to head the Venezuela effort, you know, saying El Salvador and, and Guatemala, here we come. You know, this is this is all about war crimes and death squads and that's the mind of Elliot Abrams it's like you have the four what is it the four uh, horses of the apocalypse mm-hmm. you know between Trump Abrams Bolton and Pompeo and it's hard to say that name without <laughs> saying pompous yeah pompeius you know it's it's hard to actually say pompeo but this is who's driving policy and where's the counterweight of this opposition party, mm-hmm. you know, Democrats are just not capable of doing it. And Elliot Engel being uh, anything with Venezuela is the equivalent of Dick Cheney being in charge of Standing Rock. I mean, it's just absurd. Uh, I, but I want to ask you also because, to me, in a sane political world, you have Donald Trump. Uh, they're focused very much on Russia, but the actual effective and truthful uh, <laughs> actual strategy is, hey. Look around. You see any of these plants opening up? Hey, look around. You see uh, Foxconn, this sweetheart deal that they just gave, I think $4.5 million of taxpayer subsidies in Wisconsin. Now they're suddenly not manufacturing these uh, LS glass things. I mean, there is an economic message against Trump, but I'd love to know what you think. I think the Democrats aren't making it because, well, they're kind of complicit in all these factories being closed. Absolutely. And Foxconn, you know, it's actually billions in subsidies that they've been offered. It's it's staggering. Um, They, you know, they then they then said, well, sorry, we're not going to you know, we're not going to actually create the jobs. And now maybe Trump is trying to twist their arms some more. But, you know, you know, businesses, especially small businesses, are in absolute crisis, you know, and this has been going on for quite a while. This isn't just a Republican problem. It's been a Republican and a Democratic problem. Yeah, but, I mean, to make your point, they're absolutely complicit. You know, there are 30 million Americans that don't have health care at all, any health insurance, and far more who have the insurance but can't afford to use it. And you don't see the Democrats coming out swinging on that either. You know, all they want to do is, oh, let's stay the course. Let's stay the course. You know, let's just stop the further, um, you know, collapse of uh, of our civil society and our and our civilization. Yeah, they're they're totally complicit here, and which is why, to my mind, this keeps coming back to the fact that we need, you know, we need to be politically armed. And in order to be politically armed and actually fight the fight. We have to re-engage dialogue. We've got to um, neutralize the spoiler panic. Because the minute we neutralize the spoiler panic, you know, it's 60% practically of Americans who are clamoring for another political alternative. And this is why they are working so hard to keep this genie in the bottle right now. Because once it's out, 
you know, their days are numbered. And I just really want to encourage people to adopt a fighting stance. You know, according to the UN, we got 12 years, you know, before the climate is, uh, you know, over the cliff and beyond the pale. And, you know, with this, you know, the deep freeze and, and the wildfires in Australia right now, you know, it's just, it's just, um, you know, it's just a suggestion of what the, what the future looks like, because it's going to keep getting worse day by day, practically. And, you know, people always say, oh, it'll be this horrible by the end of the century. Yeah, but what they don't tell you is that after that, it gets even worse, you know. So, you know, they're, they're being gentle in how they're uh, allowing the crisis to be characterized right now. But I don't think that's doing us any favors, you know, not to recognize that we've got a lethal illness. And it's going to destroy us pretty quickly uh, in the absence of, guess what, our taking power. And guess what, we've got the numbers to take power. And guess what, there's a real route to do it um, in so many ways. So I just really want to encourage people to, um, you know, to stand up and fight back and make ranked choice voting happen in your state. It can be pushed through the legislature. And then there are many states that also have, um, you know, uh, referendum uh, options. Mm -hmm. But, you know, don't let them uh, bully you uh, into submission here, because to submit is to basically lie down on the railroad tracks. And that train is coming fast. We got solutions. They are close at hand, and they're absolutely uh, practical and feasible. And all we got to do is put them on the table. And it's not going to be so hard to mobilize public will, you know, for uh, the kind of change that we really need. I want to ask you, um, you know, to me, in addition to ranked choice voting, I think it's very clear we need some type of yellow vest movement in the United States. <laughs> but I think the difference between here and uh, France you know, they don't have employer-based health insurance. And I think people here, there's a real psychological fear of, you know, I'm not going to work or, uh, for, a couple, for a week to go out there and protest. And uh, I'm, people are afraid to risk it because literally paycheck to paycheck is what it means. Do you think that could ever happen here? Uh, and do you think it's necessary? Yeah, it's absolutely necessary. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's really social movements that create transformative change, whether you look at the abolition of the criminal institution of slavery or you look at women achieving the right to vote, um, you know, the labor movement. All of these things had an electoral component, but the real driver was always the social movement. So, yes, I agree with you completely. And, you know, that's a, that's a whole other discussion. But, yes, we really need to be organized. We need to bring back the ability to strike, um, you know, and it's not as well as to get out in the streets, but, you know, we need the general strike and mm -hmm. we sort of lost our capacity and our skills to do that, but it's not rocket science. And, you know, we can share those skills again. That's definitely where we need to go, but I think we're going to go there. I just, you know, the only question is when um, people may have health insurance right now, or many people do, but there's so many who can't afford to use it. And, you know, just to look at like our health, our health is crumbling right now. Our, you know, our lifespan is, is becoming shorter in this country alone. We have an epidemic of uh, diseases of despair. And that's especially in, you know, in communities who are being hit economically right now. So um, I think 
people are kind of at the tipping point right now, and it's not going to take that much. In the same way that the um, the federal workers, you know, were very close to striking. You know, they were calling in sick, and you know, let's hope we don't have another, you know, shutdown uh, because the, you know, the the outrage that. Um, you know, of the crisis that was imposed on them was just awful. And it's not like they've recovered, you know, Mm -hmm. and there are millions who will never get paid and all that. But, you know, the walkout that was beginning to happen, or at least the sick out in the airlines industry, you know, that that will bring things, that will bring the economy to a halt uh, very quickly. And Mm -hmm. it's not hard to see that happening. Workers, I think, are just being... You know, if you look at the numbers, half of wage earners right now are just barely at the poverty level. They're making like $30,000 a year or less. Um, That's, you know, can't get by on that. You know, it's just, it's paycheck to paycheck, but it's barely even that. And people are falling further and further behind. So it's just a question of when this tripwire is going to get kicked. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a big there's a very powerful revolt in the making, and I think we need to have a political channel for that revolt as well, and the two together are very powerful. Right. Unstoppable, um, I think. And my final question, and I, I demand the truth, uh, were, are, can you confirm or deny that you were a part of the evil Russian cabal that Rachel Maddow huffed and puffed about the other night, uh, that Russia could potentially shut down our electricity to kill all the Americans during the polar vortex. <laughs> um, in what way would I be a part of that evil cabal? I'm I'm not sure, but put it this way: Michael Flynn, you know, turned state's evidence <laughs> a long time ago. I think I would have heard from Mueller by now if there was a shred of. Uh, evidence of my participation in anything untoward. And, you know, I would tell Rachel and the other uh, fear mongerers uh, or McCarthyites, I would say, just go look at my website because I was, unlike the others who've been accused, I was public in real time about exactly what was going on, what I was saying, who I was meeting with, and there's never been a shred of evidence um, that any of that has been incomplete or uh, untruthful in any way. I think far from apologizing for uh, promoting peace and diplomacy, I think my role in 2016 should be held up as a model for what uh, the, uh, the, the war parties need to be emulating right now in particular so that we can have a future we can actually survive in. Yeah, I was saying it in jest because, like, honestly, watching that segment, I don't know if you saw it, but it, it, it reminded me of Glenn Beck with the red phone back in the days on Fox News. I mean, this is the director of national intelligence telling us all in unclassified form in black and white, China and Russia can do this today, now, whenever they want to. In other words, we're relying on their good graces that they're not. And it is like negative 50 degrees in the Dakotas right now. What would happen if Russia killed the power in Fargo today? Right? What would happen if all the natural gas lines that, that service Sioux Falls just poofed on the coldest day in recent memory? And it wasn't in our power whether or not to turn them back on. I mean, what would you do if you lost heat indefinitely as the act of a foreign power on the same day the temperature in your front yard matched the temperature in, our, in, in Antarctica? I mean, what would you and your family do? 
It, I don't know if she's acting or really has lost her marbles, but it, it is beyond the pale. And I will mention one thing that's not brought up a lot in terms of, of you and this kind of ridiculousness. Uh, why is nobody asking uh, anybody about all these think tanks that are taking money from the UAE and Saudi Arabia and, you know, sitting at, at dinners with them? I mean, you want to look at Putin versus Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, uh, you know. Not exactly, not exactly uh, uh, so starkly different. So it seems uh, amazing to me that it's very much a McCarthy thing, but other uh, very questionable uh, countries and leaders, that's okay. And in fact, there was evidence of very clear collusion between members of the Trump administration and Israel. Yeah. Um, you know, and in fact, they were, they were lobbying Russia to, uh, uh, to, help you know to help basically block a certain vote in the UN Security Council they were trying to protect Israel mm-hmm. um, you know and they were colluding on behalf of of Israel you know we haven't heard a whole lot about that and speaking of collusion you know while we're in I just want to uh, briefly mention that the funny stuff going on with the new knowledge report mm-hmm. you know where they are imitating you know, they're they're creating a false flag Russian interference operation in our elections. Mm-hmm. It's just all this crazy elections election stuff. Um, just with that as a background, Jerry Jeremy Corbyn, you know, has been smeared mm-hmm. as a uh, Putin puppet. You know, the stuff that's thrown at me is is thrown at a lot of people, and it's generally peace advocates and people from the left who are all getting smeared by this McCarthyite campaign. Well, it turns out that people like the New Knowledge folks are kind of working in coalition. Uh, There's a thing called the Integrity Initiative, which turns out to be the force behind the smearing of Jeremy Corbyn. And it is funded by none other than the British uh, military, their intelligence agencies, the U.S. State Department, Facebook, right-wing organizations, and they reach out to media, to to big names in media, to academics, um, and others, you know, and these intelligence professionals to basically uh, orchestrate smear campaigns. So it just... You know, and bear in mind that a couple of years ago, we used to be protected against propaganda here in the U.S. It was against the law to um, throw propaganda at the American population. That's no longer true. Uh, We can be propagandized since like 2013. So with that as a backdrop, we're not protected from the likes of the Integrity Initiative. It's really important to raise the skepticism level and just not take what you hear at face value and to really look at at what's behind it. It's a really important lesson for us to learn right now in this age of the new McCarthyism because it's on us and it's really dangerous. And Rachel Maddow is, you know, she's probably exhibit A for McCarthyism that's just, you know, running, um, you know, running mad right now. Well, I thank you for some common sense and sane talk. Uh, I think people should hear more of your message uh, and rank choice voting, by the way, uh, in corporate channels. But that's why we exist to kind of uh, try to elevate uh, these topics and discussions. So thanks so much for taking the time. 
It's really great talking with you, Jordan, and so glad that you are out there just uh, making the truth be heard. So keep up your good work. Thank you. Take care. You too.